So we sit down again. I am back. I just can't get enough of you, and I'm excited today because I hear there's a new neighbor knocking at the door. I've heard the same, but I want to know, do you clean your locker out between visits, or do I, you just show up here? and? Well, your wife asked me how I like my shirts ironed. That's awkward. So <laughs> but I think that it was a nice gesture. Welcome to the podcast, Neighbors Don't Knock, the show where two neighbors drop by for conversations that are fun, relevant, and downright hilarious. Join them and special guests in their mission to talk about anything and everything and laugh about it no matter what. Now, here's your hosts, Brian Chambers and Philip Goffrey. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Neighbors Don't Knock. Ooh, I love it. We are in season four, episode eight. Eight. Oh my gosh! I like. I'm sitting here counting like on my fingers. I got to do that like episode one, episode two. I'm, I'm that. I'm that guy. Against time. <laughs> I'm that guy at the bank that's like uh, that'll be or the the store that's like that'll be six eighty one, and I'm like. 78, 79. I've <laughs> got like my fingers going. It's okay, Brian. Use your fingers. It's okay. It's okay. Don't that's break what out they're the there for. Yeah. They're the digits, man. They're, that's why they call them the digits. Uh, but we are excited to have you guys with us. Make sure that you go and subscribe to the podcast. Check out all of our episodes from seasons one, two, and three, as well as the new season right now, currently in season four. We've had a slew of amazing guests and fantastic neighbors who are now like family. It really feels like it. It's true. And every once in a while, there seems to be a video popping up on YouTube. So be sure to stop by the YouTube yes. channel as Subscribe well. Subscribe to out. our YouTube channel. That's right. We we have a lot of fun content that is coming out as well as a couple of great clips from our interviews. You know, I was thinking, wouldn't it be really cool since we were talking last week about VR and stuff, if we took all of our guests and we created our own little neighborhood. Like we put everybody as like, oh, okay, we're going to have, you know, you here and you here. And, and NDK in the metaverse. It's just NDK. Yeah. That would be like the the town hall, right? It would be NDK. Dude, I don't want to know what your metaverse looks like. It'd be scary in there. Well, let's, uh, before we get going though, and before we get into our guest, we are going to check out a little bit of our sponsor. Neighbors Don't Knock is produced by CNG Communications. CNG specializes in small batch voiceover and video production for commercial media, podcasting, radio, and more. Combining years of experience in acting, podcasting, and sales, CNG Communications offers big media products at small business prices. To learn more, visit our Facebook page or email us directly at admin at neighborsdontknock.com. Well, Brian, I am really, really excited today because we are joined by another new friend, new neighbor who you met at Podcast Movement last year. So uh, my jealousy is just increasing exponentially I every think single time. That is the whole reason now that, that I bring it up all the time. Just to just to rub it <laughs> just in, to give, twist the knife. Uh, but no, it was it's a, it was great. He was fantastic. I hit it off immediately. Really great guy. I, I'm so excited to have him. That's right. He is the author of Thursday is the New Friday, How to Work Fewer Hours, Make More Money, and Spend Time Doing What You Want, which I'm pretty sure is my dream book. I'm pretty sure that's everybody's. <laughs> If it's not, it should be. Absolutely. The book <laughs> examines how the four-day work week boosts creativity and productivity, which is a, 
again, my dream come true. <laughs> I like the idea of a three-day weekend. He has been featured on Forbes, Good Magazine, the Smart Passive Income Podcast. He's the host of his own hit podcast, The Practice of the Practice Podcast, which has uh, over 100,000 downloads every month. So he is certainly reaching a wide and varying audience. They have best-selling authors, expert scholars, and business leaders on the show, innovators, and more. I am very, very proud to introduce to our guests and to say hello for the first time for me to Mr. Joe Sanak. Joe, how are you, sir? How are you doing, guys? I'm doing great. What's going on, Joe? What's going on? That's your 100,000 followers that just followed you here to Neighbors Don't Knock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Boom. Look at all those new followers y'all got. Heck yeah. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time to sit down with us, Joe. I did pronounce your last name properly, I hope. Sure. <laughs> I love it. He's like, well, whatever, whatever. I was like, I've Close been called enough. worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had a high school track coach that he looked at and he said, Joe Santos. And there's no T in my name. And uh, I was just so checking now. School, After you that said that, my... I looked down. I was yeah. like, wait, wait, how did he get? What? I was like, yeah. what? So <laughs> my nickname was Santos and at an all white Catholic school. I'm like, how, how about cultural <laughs> appropriation there? <laughs> Well, you have a brand new book that's out. Uh, but before we jump into that, uh, we first of all, we want to thank you coming all the way from the cold area of Michigan. Again, not jealous about that. We, we are loving the somewhat beautiful weather now down here, even though it's kind of colder. But we do want to thank you for your time. Um, but when you are not writing, first of all, tell us a little bit about you. What, what gets you going in the morning? The life of yes. Joe. The life of Joe. I'm, so I'm a single dad and I have uh, full custody of my kids, except for when their mom comes in once a month. So my kids and I, uh, we rock out every morning. Uh, so I have to get them to school. So they're seven and 10 year old girls who are taking on the world that they're little badasses. And what comes with that is also a lot of pushback, but you know, it's how you raise strong women. Uh, so we, we get ready in the morning. We have a healthy breakfast. We walk to school every morning and whether it's rain or snow or Shine, I mean, Michigan weather. And, so are uh, you doing the, the, the whole, you know, braiding the hair and things like that and oh, yeah. all like everything? How long did it take you to do the waterfall braid? I can do like the backwards braid. I can, oh, I got nicely it man. done. You have a braiding repertoire. <laughs> I do. I was going to say, I, I have no actually, idea what that means. <laughs> there is this amazing um, fundraising event. It was so smart for the school and it was called beer and braids. And all of these hairdressers um, came to this, uh, this brewery and it was like 10 bucks a person. And it was mostly dads. It was aimed at dads that had girls to like donate and then learn how to braid. So I went to this beer and braids thing and it was, it was awesome. It was such a fun thing. And I remember my friend Emmett, he's like, if my high school self could see me, I'd fucking punch myself in the face. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like now, now our girls have killer braids. Like people, people will ask me like, cause my sister lives in the same neighborhood and goes to the same, her kids go to the same school. Uh, did Lydia help with the braid? I'm like, no, that was me. Like dads can braid also. <laughs> oh yeah. No, don't let, don't let them talk smack to you, man. Do you get together with other single dads and like talk smack about everybody else? Be like, dude. I'm the best single dad around. It's like, no, my braid is best on the block. <laughs> you know, we actually started a, a dad's group at the school, not just single dads. Um, and so it's Eastern elementary school. So we are the Royal society of Eastern badass dads. And, uh, Tell we, me we're now a voting block it, it on the PTO. It's very exclusive. It is. It That's is. like, how, how do you get into together? that society? <laughs> yeah. Now we want to have an initiation fee to just pay for all of the rest of our beers and stuff. <laughs> That's brilliant. So t tell me, do you have, have t-shirts? Do you have any kind of like, like 
Working on a logo, yes. hopefully. Oh, no, I made a logo in the first day. Like, the <laughs> minds were blown. Oh, so we have a logo. Uh, and then the guys were looking at those, like, 1980s, like, baseball jackets. You know, they have, like, the rings around the, like, uh, oh, collar the, the, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, like the old school... Um Right, they have the, like the rings on the collars up, and then also like on the on the base of the arms, right? Yeah, it's, it's sort of like, like that, a, that like shiny a, metallic, like yeah, 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 yeah. So <laughs> we, we've been talking about that, and but then we're like, there's gonna be so many people that are like, what is that? I want to join. So it's sort of a hush hush society right now. That's hysterical. That that's when the power of being a, a podcaster and a, an author promoting his own book really comes in, right? Because like, gentlemen, yeah. let me introduce you to Taylor Brands and blow your mind. <laughs> Just just get a business card with the logo on it. That's it. Yeah, nothing else. That's it. And then just leave it on the table. You know, if if someone is there's a possibility, and then on the backside you write where you're going to meet, and then they show up, and then then it's that's where it starts. Yeah, Joe, Joe, what the hell is in, cor- in coordinates, like the coordinates, not <laughs> yeah, the place. Even there just you like- go. <laughs> you know, I, normally I would say no one would figure that out, but these days they just plug it into their phone and be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah. where you are. So funny, it's such a big thing. All right, back to Joe here. But so you you have all kinds of projects going on. Um, you know, first let, let's start with your podcast, the Practice of the Practice podcast. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I started it in 2012. Uh, I had a counseling practice that I sold actually in 2019, uh, but really found that in graduate school I had been taught all of these awesome clinical skills and how to be a psychologist, how to do that kind of work, but had zero business classes. So really it came out of a sense of um, just really co-learning with the audience and saying, hey, we didn't learn any of this stuff. Uh, I need to learn it. And so I would just bring on people that I wanted to like connect with. So I remember early on this guy, Andy Crestadina, he had this SEO company out of Chicago. So I brought him on and said, how do you do SEO? What's SEO? Just dummy questions that I should have known, but didn't. Uh, And then over time, it just continued to grow. And um, in 2016, I was able to leave my full-time job and do the podcasting uh, full-time. And you know, we've launched all sorts of different products to help people at different phases of their counseling practices. Uh, we have membership communities, we have consulting, we put on conferences and uh, really just try to align at each phase of practice, something that is reasonably priced for that phase. Uh, and then having an upsell for people that want to move faster and a downsell that for people that want to bootstrap it uh, and just figuring out at each step, how do we, how do we help people level up? Yeah, I mean, it really deals a lot with with mental wellness, you know, for as a whole, which I think is great. But let, let me ask you this in, in reference to your podcast, with everything coming forward today with, you know, all the athletes and public figures and things like that, ha- have things changed for for you? Are you seeing a big uptake and in, in more people seeking you out with with more needs or is it kind of just stayed the same? Yeah. So in 2019, I sold mental wellness counseling. So I'm, I'm no longer doing the actual counseling, but now talking on such a macro level to people, it's great because I can see these huge societal trends. So in early 2020, uh, a lot of our members were freaking out as things went into lockdown and switching to online. So we brought in a bunch of support. So Clay Cockrell, who owns onlinecounseling.com, brought him in to really train people quickly. Um, and people, for the most part, counselors had 2020 as their best year ever. And then 2021 was even better than that. And I think some of the dynamics that we saw shift was um, people realized that the accessibility of counseling when given online uh, before the pandemic, 
everyone was so scared of zoom or it's not going to be personal. You can't have the same relationship. Even therapists were saying these things, except for, you know, a very small, small amount of them um, that were doing it online. But then to realize, you know, you can really have a therapeutic relationship uh, through online counseling And, and for the clients, you know, to not have to find childcare, to put your kids on the iPad or have them go do something while you go do a counseling session versus, okay, I got to find childcare. Now I got to drive 20 minutes, then find parking and pay for parking. Then I got to go to the counseling session. Then I got to drive back. I mean, we're talking two, two and a half hours plus childcare versus, okay, I'm going to jump on a quick 45 minute Zoom call. I don't even have to tell my kids I'm going to counseling and be able to get those outcomes. I think the accessibility and the national conversation as a result of being in lockdown and slowing down and saying, what kind of world was I living in? I was stressed out. I was maxed out. You know, 2019 isn't the pinnacle of human existence. It's, it was like a great reset for all of us. I'm sure there's a ton of things that hit the fan through the pandemic as well. But you know, if we really went introspective to say, how am I going to come out of this crazy thing in you know our lifetime and find myself being a better person as part of that? Do you find do you, with, with your podcast and all the counselors that you're meeting that are reaching out and trying to tweak their practices to streamline operations and better their businesses and better help their, their clients, um, their patients, do you find that, that the hours are changing dramatically? Are more and more counselors opening up themselves at like weird hours of night and things like that to leverage technology? I would actually say that I see people aligning the hours they work with the hours that they want to work more uh, by it opening up. So in counseling, usually you can only see people in the state you're licensed in. So now, so I'm in Michigan. uh, So if I was going to be doing counseling, uh, I could now see people beyond just Traverse City, Michigan. I could see people in Detroit or Grand Rapids. And so say I only want to see people from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m., there's now a much larger market for 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. counseling than there used to be. Uh, And so I would say what I'm seeing is people really evaluating, just like in every field, like, do I want to work at the times when I have been working? Or do I need to recalibrate what I'm doing and say, I need to make some changes to get to this new life that is going to give me the time and economic freedom that I want? Yeah, I mean, that I I think that's, I think that's a positive, uh, you know, that, that it's accessible whenever you can, you know, but my question for you, I guess, like you, you kind of touched on it a minute ago with the whole people thinking that it's not personal, that it, you know, you're, you're with a screen, you're things like that. I mean, I mean, I think there's more upside to the flexibility and the, and the financial aspect of it. Uh, but do you still have a lot of people that are hesitant with the whole digital age and is it an older age or do you find that it's a mix? Yeah, I think that uh, counselors still are apprehensive of online counseling being as effective as in-person. And there's a lot of modalities like uh, EMDR, which is amazing for trauma, that's a lot harder to communicate via online counseling. Uh, And so that's helping with rewiring the brain specifically after trauma. Um, It is being done, but there's not as much research around that as there is in the in-person. And so I think that there's going to be more and more research studies that come out to really show the actual effectiveness. How much of this is intuitively, I feel like there's not that connection, but maybe the client actually still feels it. Um, And and so I think we're so early on in the experiment of moving more online uh, that there's a lot of dynamics. So, you know, so many of us spend a lot of our day on zoom or on other online screens. Like we're going to see, is that good for our brains? Is our sleep being affected? Are we, appropriately at the end of the day saying, maybe I shouldn't watch Netflix after spending a whole day on Zoom. Maybe I should read a book instead or go for a walk. So I think I think we're really in some longevity studies going to see that emerge in the next five or 10 years uh, with, with more of the research. 
Okay, so so that aside, I, I want to get back to the basics of the podcast. I mean, you and Brian met a podcast movement just, just completely geeking out with thousands and thousands of other podcasters from every walk of life. What made you decide to start a podcast? Yeah, you know, um, I started listening to Pat Flynn's Smart Passive Income podcast in 2011, and he was the first business person that to me didn't come across as slimy. Uh, the only other business experience that I had had was selling vacuum cleaners door to door uh, in college. And they taught me how to convince people that lived in a trailer park that they would make money by buying a two or $3,000 vacuum. Right. And I was like, this is not, this is not okay. It's got three <laughs> modes of suck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the last one is your money. Yeah. Yeah. Here's our sales guide It's called how to get over feeling filthy. Yeah. yeah. And you too can be part of this pyramid scheme. And yeah. so, so it was, it was just, by that, I mean, that's what I, I'm not going to name names, but uh, you're, you're getting closer. <laughs> but so, I mean, I had no business experience. The only business guys I knew in college were all like complete douchebags. And so when it came to business, I just thought it's people that are just these capitalistic pigs and that like that no one does good business in that world. And so I had my own hangups that, you know, when I first started listening to Pat, it was like, oh, wait, okay, a lot of these preconceived notions don't have to be the way that we do it. And so I first started thinking about my counseling practice that was already going on and realized if I wanted to build passive income through that, it just wouldn't feel appropriate for that audience. Like people are showing up for counseling. If I'm like, no, buy my e-course or, you know, click this link so I can get an affiliate link to this thing. It's like, that doesn't really line up as well. Levels just, of therapy. Right, right. And, and I'm kind of shooting myself in the foot because if I turn someone off to me because I said, click on this affiliate link or opt into this email when they're ready to give me $150 for 45 minutes of my time, like, that's not helping my business grow either. So I knew I'd need a different brand. And I was interested in the business side of it because if I felt scuzzy about business, I'm sure other people did as well in the therapeutic realm. And so I thought, well, what if I just started by doing a podcast and exploring what I felt and what I needed and then just see where it went. And um, it took a couple of years before I really made sure that I was doing it at least weekly. But when I reinvested in building the website and doing it weekly, starting in 2014, that's when the numbers just, you know, really uh, took a turn to like much higher numbers. Okay. And so just for all of our listeners out there and a lot of people, and and you and I learned a lot about this at, at podcast movement and through other people in the industry, but how long did it take for your podcast to start seeing some kind of growth? Financial growth or numbers growth? Uh, a little of both. Yeah. I mean, I would say, well, I, I just knew so little about what my audience wanted and I would test things and, you know, I, I do these little things, you know, to the email list and say, Hey, buy me a cup of coffee. Here's an Amazon link, you know, whatever you want to buy and just to try different things. Really, I would say it was probably two years. It was probably by episode 60 or 70. Um, most of the people we do done for you podcasting help and also teach people through podcast launch school. Um, I would say for most folks, by the time you hit episode 50, that's really where you start to see the most momentum and growth. Um, and then usually by 100 to 150, like it's in probably 50 segments or so when you start to see the most growth. Um, but I remember I started this one thing called the one year practice plan and it was a 52 week email course and it was $150 a year. And I had one person sign up and I just had to have my email stay like a week ahead of them. So I would write four emails and then I knew they're on like email 26. So I'd write through, you know, email 30 <laughs> and then 
I'd have maybe one person a month sign up for this thing. So 150 bucks a month in, in passive income. And there was this one Black Friday or no, Cyber Monday, uh, where I just decided, you know what, I'm going to do a one-time $17 fee and see how much uh, I can I can get out of this, and I did, I made up just I made just under seventeen hundred dollars uh, in that one day. Wow! And oh, wow. so we so we switched it over. We canceled everyone that was paying the one fifty. We we said you've paid enough. Like we're not going to charge you anymore. You get all the rest of our emails for free, and then uh, have kept it at seventeen dollars. And that's become our tripwire. You know, people opt into the free email list, and now you know we sell probably a hundred or so a month of that. Um, and so that was the first, okay, I need to adjust and change and, and see what's working uh, and then listen to the audience and say, what are they asking for from the financial side? And then just start filling in the gaps as to where they, they need support. No, I, I think that's great. And I love that, that you, you're seeing success. So congratulations to that and, and kudos for sticking with it. But you know, a lot of people that, you know, I talk to and they're like, oh, you guys are still doing the podcast. I'm like, well, yeah, it, it takes time. I mean, you just, you got to stick, like anything that is worth it, you got to stick with it. You got to nurture it. You got to grow with it. And you got to, you got to find your, your, your pains and your, your thrills. Yeah, (laughs) I'll I'll never forget the time when Brian and I here at Neighbors Don't Knock realized that somebody outside of our friends and family had downloaded the episode somewhere early on in our first season. You would have thought it was New Year's or something. Yeah, like (laughs) there's like a dance going on. We're like, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, can you believe that someone in Thailand is listening to us? (laughs) I'm pretty pretty sure we actually popped the bottle of scotch. We were very, very excited. (laughs) So, but I remember the first two people also, this guy, Tress, and this other lady, Janine, they were the first people that paid me for consulting. And I'm like, wait a second, people actually listen and they're building trust and they give me money. It's a great feeling. It, it really is. is. And, and, you know, if you guys are interested in checking out Joe's podcast, you can go and find him wherever you get your podcast, the practice of the practice podcast. Uh, just go and subscribe to that and you can check out a lot of his episodes, a lot of great stuff in there. Absolutely. And we'll obviously link it up in our description for this yeah, episode as well. Exactly. So now, Joe, you, okay, so now podcast aside, ha, 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 you know, you have found yourself in a lot of different endeavors. First of all, if you ever decide to do some kind of counseling where it's kind of like, um, not, not, you know, I'm talking about the, the, the church, we ask for forgiveness. Um, confession, <laughs> confession. Yeah. Where it's, you just like, you just oh, yeah, use yeah. a digital mask on something. And it's like a voice and you're like, you have a, like an alias name and you come in to do therapy. And so you, that the therapist doesn't even know who you are. <laughs> just, just like, like the masked singer. So just the masked <laughs> client. Yes. Oh my gosh. That would be so great. I would totally try to do that. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Speaking of therapy though, I would like to point out the mental block that you've put up around confession. I mean, we three raised Catholics. <laughs> That's true. Right here. And you're going, what's that thing, thing. with the, Priest. Is that tell you how long it's been since I've been to confession? And I'm sure now I'm going to get a phone call from my yeah. mother. He tells so. you to throw a few Hail Marys. It's weird. You know, you are going to get a call from your mom for sure. I'm so sure. Mr. Sure Chambers, I, I, I await your but call. You're lucky your parents listen to your podcast. Yeah, you know, they, they catch up every once in a while. So I think that's their way of, of showing support. So uh, much love to them and to all of our listeners out there, you know. Mrs. Chambers is not the only listener, we hope. Indeed. So, <laughs> Indeed. But, but I, w- I would totally do the mass client. That would be, I think that that's a step away from, from happening. 
I, I really do. Cool. I think with all the digital camera stuff that you can do, yeah. and we were just talking about VR and AR stuff, you know. Yeah. I'd say it can be an NDK reality TV thing, but all podcasts are kind of reality TV, so it sort of takes away the uh, the charm of that. I mean, like, show up as your favorite superhero, you know, for therapy, and like give yourself a different voice. Yeah. Brian, Brian with <laughs> oh, most. I, I totally forgot about this. So my friend Paul and I, we were drinking uh, a lot one night, and we came up with this idea of Star Wars characters going to therapy. Oh, I'm in. And I'm so, in. <laughs> So we, I bought all these different Star Wars outfits. And so we have, um, it's, it's on the Practice of the Practice YouTube channel. Um, so like Darth Vader comes in for therapy and Paul plays just straight regular therapist. And Darth Vader's talking about how he's been absent from his son's life. And he just told him that he's his father. And then Luke tried to commit suicide by jumping off of the thing. And like, and the therapist is like, what did you expect? You haven't been in his life. And it was like, well, there was some stuff between me and his mother. And <laughs> And then like, uh, like Luke comes in for therapy and he's talking about how uh, Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru were just killed. But there's this old guy that wants him to like go away with him. And like stranger just, danger, like, stranger danger. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like he doesn't go by his real name. He goes by Obi-Wan, but his real name's Ben. And it's the therapist is like, how long have you known this guy? And he's like, I don't know. He said he knew my dad. And it's just, it's like, like, do you trust him? Like, so right, well, yeah, I'm, so I'm going to make it a point to watch this. This sounds absolutely hilarious. Oh, that sounds released fantastic. all of them on May we released all of them on May 4th. So it was, it was hilarious. So oh, you type in star Wars therapy and practice the practice at YouTube. You'll, you'll find all those. It oh, was just that, is that ridiculous. a regular thing? Do you guys do that as a regular? We, we did. No, we did probably eight different characters. Like we had a stormtrooper who was supposed to be on the death star the day it blew up, but his kid was sick. And so he has all this like, <laughs> all this trauma around it. But then he's like, but all those widows got this great like pension plan. And now like we're struggling. And uh, like, I feel this guilt, like they're doing fine. <laughs> I, oh, I love, love that. That is I so good. I love that. I would have to definitely check that out. Yeah. Now uh, you have my mind really, I'm picturing all the, the therapy assignments for workshopping at home. It's like, okay, listen, Mr. Vader, this week, you're going to work on not throat choking anyone just, <laughs> yeah, just for one week. Yeah. Yes. I mean, just think how many different characters that, that are written in to our stories that we watch of all the movies, that if you actually sat them oh. down for therapy, like what actually right. would come out? Yeah, if, if, you, if you need help, you, you, you send me a hollow at any time. All right. So, Joe, we, we, I have to tackle the elephant in the room for, for our conversation here. I want to talk about this book. Yes, and we are talking about the Thursday is the new Friday. Yeah, so for me, one of the kind of central things was just understanding, you know, is the work week we've been given, is that solid? Is it something that we just have to do? Is there, Are there things in nature that point to that work schedule? Uh, or is it maybe more of a recent manifestation for humanity? And so for me, I dug into the anthropology and the history uh, just around weeks and around work weeks to even just start with, is the way we think it has to be really the way it has to be? It was shocking to find some of that history and to really dig into it. Uh, you know, take the seven day week, something that we all agree to. Thousands of years ago, the Babylonians, they made up the seven day week. They just looked up and they saw the sun and the moon, earth, Mars, Venus, Jupiter, and, and, uh, and Mercury. And that's why they have seven days. You know, the Romans had a 10 day week. The Egyptians had an eight day week in the 1800s. The Russians had a five day week. So if we just start with the seven day weeks completely made up, we could have had 73 weeks and had a five day week. 
there's nothing in nature that points to seven days. Uh, and then the way we were working in the late 1800s, early 1900s was the average person was working 10 to 14 hours a day, six to seven days a week. They were just working all the time, a farmer's schedule, even if they weren't on a farm. And so in 1926, when Henry Ford, you know, kicks off the 40 hour work week to sell more cars to Ford employees, because he believed that if people have a weekend, they're going to buy a car to go do stuff, but they're not going to buy a car to just get to work faster. And it worked. So less than a hundred years ago, we get the 40 hour work week. So if we just think from generations, you know, the world war two generation were the first people really raised with the 40 hour work week. And that was the really, boomers. An, really an American thing too, right? Yeah. Like it was very limited. To oh American yeah. If mentality. you go to Europe, that the 40 hour work yeah. week is definitely not, I mean, it's uh, yes, it's, it's very, very different. Uh, not just in Europe, but uh, like almost everywhere except for the U S I, I find it very interesting slash odd that we are so committed to working 40 to 80 hours a week. I mean, yeah. and I say that, you know, some people will try to do the bare minimum. Some people will try to do most, but it's like, we're constantly working. Joe, yeah. when you, when you were researching for that, for that and, and, and figuring out kind of in your head, like, why do we do this? Did you come across like a lot of uh, examples of, sort of the toughness that comes with working the 40 hour work? There's such a, you know, by golly, I work every day for, Eight hours a day, never fail, you know? Yeah, there's a whole section in the book where I dig into the Protestant work ethic that we think has been here since early America. It's actually a recent manifestation. It was really a bunch of, of people that some industrialists that wanted to get people to work harder and not question their position in life. Uh, and so uh, it, it's crazy to see how there was economic incentive to lie to the people about what our history was and you know who we are as people. Wait, public uh, but, figures lying to us? Why? <laughs> That's unheard of. For their own economic benefit? <laughs> <laughs> no, this can't be. I'm picturing all these but people I, have like stock and 3M for masks during the yeah. pandemic right now. But it's crazy to think about how the industrialists really did captivate the way that we think. And you know, the idea of we want to create machines, we want to set it and forget it, the way that we look at staff roles, every aspect of, of business and oftentimes life, like even look at public schools, the way it's set up, it's set up to be an assembly line. And, and so that industrialist mindset uh, was really strong until the mid eighties. When we start to see the rise of casual Fridays, we start to see that, you know, Fridays are when people start, you know, bringing in cupcakes to celebrate someone's having a baby. Let's do some cheesy team building activities, um, all sorts of different things that we see Fridays really start to be more preparation for the weekend. And so I often like to say that Friday has been having an affair with the weekend for a long time. Let's just call it what it is. Because uh, we know Friday is not actually a productive day for most people. And the neuroscience actually shows that if we can work fewer hours, we can be more creative and productive when we are working. I, I'm with you on that. I think making Friday part of the weekend would be fantastic and maybe making the mistress now Thursday. So <laughs> start chipping yeah. away at that a yeah, little you know, bit. <laughs> in, in the 90s and early 2000s, I waited tables and worked at a lot of different places that had active bar scenes. And it was common knowledge by then that Thursday night was the blowout night for most people, especially young people, to go out. Well, and, and tie one on. That's right? really great. I, I think that's great. They should. Indeed. And it, and it backs up Joe's point that Friday was sort of a do nothing day. They all knew they were going to be hungover. They all knew it was going to be, oh, yeah, we, we, we're jeans and we leave it to anyway. Blah. I mean, <laughs> actors are, are struggling with the same thing right now currently because they theaters typically have off only one day a week. 
you know, actors are working like six days a week in the theater, you know, and, and even in films that they're having a lot more strict guidelines about the hours that they can work and what, and we, in fact, we had a guest on that was talking about that. And for the theater specifically, they're trying to talk about rehearsals only being Monday to Friday. Well, they need to read Joe's book. And so they, they, need, they definitely need to read Joe's book. But Joe, let me ask you this. With all of that being said, you know, obviously you are pro for Friday being part of the weekend, but if you were to rewrite the scheduled work hours or maybe not scheduled, but the, you know, the, what you would think is a reasonable amount of work hours during the week and the work week, how would that look for you? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I always start with the evidence and then try to compare that to what my natural inclinations are. So the research shows that 32 hours is about the max of productive work that people will do in a week anyway. So uh, to me, the big switch from the industrialist mindset of one size fits all is to have less of a prescriptive nature, these five points, this is exactly how you do it to more of an experimental nature. So there's going to be industries that it works differently. Maybe Wednesdays need to be the day they take off. Maybe it's going to be that they take half days on Thursday and Friday. Um, maybe one department tries something for a quarter and then another department tries something else. And then we look at the evidence and say, what works here? And so for my own personal schedule, uh, I work much less than four days a week um, because I, which, you know, I'm looking for the next step for humanity more than necessarily saying, here's where I'm at in regards to writing the book. Work smarter, not harder. When you limit the time for something, we know from Parkinson's law that work expands to the time given. And so imagine I said to you guys, okay, you have to take an extra day off a week. You would say, how are we going to do that? We have all these podcasts, we have all this business stuff, all these things we're doing. How are we going to make it happen? Well, first you'd say, well, we need to prioritize our top things in order and do those first. So we've got 20 things this week. We'll start at number one. When we get that done, we'll go to two, three. And if we leave five or six of them undone, we leave five or six of them undone. And then the next week you'll start at one again. And if week after week you leave number 17, 18 and 19 and 20, just hanging out there, that tells you something about your priorities, that that's the least important thing. So that's an opportunity to outsource it, to automate it, to totally eliminate it, take it off of your plate uh, so that you can do your best work. So only I can show up for this kind of podcast interview and discussion. I can't send my director of details to come do this interview for me. Um, I can only do the forward facing audience facing types of things. But right now I know that she's checking my Instagram messages. She's in checking my email. She's scheduling future podcasts. She's you know making it that when I go into my email box, it's only going to be the things that only I can reply to. And so the single best use of my time is mostly what I spend my time doing. And, and so that's why we can level up so quickly is I'm focusing on that very best use of my time and then aggressively outsourcing everything else. Well, we also feel very privileged now that you are spending your time with us. <laughs> I mean, I think that's a, a, just it says a lot about you. So thank you. It's, a, it's what neighbors do. Yeah, thank <laughs> exactly right. He he gets us. He gets us. I, I I see you and I hear you. I dig it. There you go. There's the therapist. I see you and I hear you. There's the counselor in the room right there. Well, so so Joe, that plays very well into what I know that you discuss in the book about that you know flow between you call it slowing down and killing it, and how it it kind of pushes back on the hustle culture we were bringing up earlier with this whole you have to work 40 hours, rush, 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 go, go, go. Um, I'm curious, you mentioned internal inclinations and you mentioned one of your own inclinations just now. Can you tell me a bit about the general internal inclinations you touch on in the book? Yeah. So the internal inclinations are the top three uh, natural inclinations that top performers have according to the research. And so uh, the three of them are curiosity, 
an outsider perspective and an ability to move on it. And so when we think about curiosity, what are we taught, you know, from a very young age is curiosity killed the cat. If you're curious, you're going to die. Like that's a terrible <laughs> thing to teach kids, right? I mean, if, if you go after things, that's the next dead. children's book, forget Dr. Seuss. Here you go, kids. <laughs> yeah, but it's actually based on the Washington post in 1910 front headlines said curiosity killed the cat. There's a cat that got stuck in a chimney that was nationwide. Like the nation was wondering, is this cat going to get found and get out? It was a slow news week. Can you imagine that now? Like YouTube's blowing up. Like this cat is stuck in a chimney. I can't believe the um, guy who was covering that story. <laughs> he just sit there like watching it the entire time. He's coming out. Yeah. No, he's not. Nope. nope. <laughs> For how long? Yeah, yeah. The small. Can you imagine pitching that to your editor and be like, how did I get the front page? Are you yeah, kidding exactly. me? Like, like yeah. what? I thought this would be like, Maybe in section one. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the small article in the back that no one read is like, you know, yeah. hot dog factory in New York found with 100,000 rats. And, <laughs> right. But no, it's like, you know, no, how fluffy doing? doing. Yeah. You know? yeah. Well, and so, you know, I mean, I have I have two daughters and then my nieces were over uh, a couple months ago. And so the nieces are, are four and six. My daughters are seven and ten. So four little girls playing outside. They're squealing, running around. And all of a sudden it gets quiet. I'm like, uh oh. So I go outside and the four of them are standing around a dead mouse. And I hear them and they say, like, how do you think the mouse died? Like, should we bury this mouse? Uh, do you think owls, an owl might come and eat it? Well, don't owls only eat live mice? Like, should we do a mouse funeral? What's a mouse funeral? So all these questions where kids are constantly trying to figure out, is what I'm observing normal? Is this everyday life that mice are found dead in a yard or is this something outside of my norm you know when they see a car accident when they see you know the northern lights they're trying to figure out is this normal or not so they're constantly curious but at a certain point we feel like we figured life out but top performers maintain that curiosity uh, so the second inclination of having an outsider perspective it's really interesting the research shows that outsiders have statistically more influence over a group than insiders and so they did this interesting study um, where they show the color blue and green and they had small groups of around six where they say is this blue or green and people say that's blue that's green that's green it's blue and then they had a second group where they had some outsiders come in and those outsiders once in a while would say for those colors that were kind of in the middle, that's definitely green. That is, but it was blue, but that's blue and that's green. And what they found was these outsiders had huge influence on the group. And you see this, if you've ever had a new job, when you come in and you're like, why do you do it that way? That, that doesn't make any sense. I remember I worked at a community college and their progress notes in there, like this was in the like mid 2000, it was 2012, I think, or so. They were handwriting their progress notes and then they were filing them by day the student came in. So if I wanted to know if a certain student had come in, they had to find when that student came in and then pull that rather than just sorting it by last name uh, or having some sort of digital thing. So outsiders often notice these things and top performers are better able to then say, here, here's what I see, let's change this. Or even people that are top performers that are inside an organization, they keep that mindset of being an outsider. Right. But I mean, you do have a lot of people that are reluctant for change. I mean, that I think that it, where a lot of that kind of comes in, because it's, it's easy for someone to look in and be like, oh, you should be doing this. But for someone to take that criticism can be difficult sometimes. I mean, I, I know that I can be hard, you know, pressed to change, you know, when someone's critical of something that I'm doing. 
It's, it's almost like I'm getting a free counseling session right now. Heck yeah. I think so too. <laughs> I, I just feel reaffirmed in my belief that one of the funniest scenes in Wayne's world is when Garth is slamming the robotic hand with the hammer and goes, we fear change. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, you like that? That's like a little Harry Potter. Like, woof, memory just got pulled out. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you went right to that one. Uh, but for our listeners, where, you know, Joe, where can they get your book? Yeah, uh, wherever they get their books, uh, I imagine your local bookstore would like the business. Uh, you can order it online. Uh, it's put out by HarperCollins, so you should be able to get it wherever you get your books. So okay. it's called Thursday is the New Friday, just wherever you get your books. Okay. I love that. I, I like that you just give a shout out to the local businesses, too. Thanks yeah, for that. I appreciate I, I that a lot. I do love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 I'm blown away by Amazon. You know, I got no shade for Amazon. Everything they do is amazing. They're incredibly efficient, but I, but I, I do like the idea. Yeah, of you have like three packages bookstore. outside from Amazon waiting right now. <laughs> A bulk book buy of Thursday is the new Friday, I'm sure. Like, you probably bought 20 or 30. Absolutely. But that's exact. There yeah. you go. Yeah. I mean, I'm actually getting sued by the delivery guy. He pulled his back out. When he <laughs> He's like, Monday's my new Monday. I got to sit around. Uh, Every day is Friday for me. I'm going to work this Well, we can, uh, we'll put a, a link to Joe's uh, website and uh, where you can contact him to get his book if you can't find it. You know, so check that in the episode description. Uh, Joe, now, aside from this business and you know, your podcast and everything else, do you have other projects going on? Because you seem like a guy who can handle his priorities and, and have multiple uh, ventures happening. Yeah. So I would say one of the big kind of takeaways from the book and from life is the more that we really slow down and set really hard and soft boundaries, uh, it allows us to be more creative. And so around projects, to me, it's been more like, what do I want to become? And so for me, a lot of my extra effort isn't going into business ideas. Um, yet we just launched something called Audience Building Academy uh, within the business. And that came out of um, the Thursday is the new Friday mastermind. Uh, a bunch of people said like, what's next after this mastermind? Um, so we've launched Audience Building Academy, um, which helps people over six months build an audience. But to me, um, you know, I, I'm learning to play a lot of uh, songs on the piano from Encanto to impress my daughters. Oh, uh, there you go. As I say, I, what is your Friday? What is your Friday yeah. activity? That's what I want to know. What, no, what to, is To me, I think it's really important to put things in your calendar uh, on the days that you want to have off. So, you know, this Friday, I have friends with, I have plans with a friend for the whole day. So we're going to hang out all day. Uh, you know, I'll block in coffee with people or uh, I do improv every Wednesday night. Uh, so I have non-negotiables in my schedule. So I really? enjoy watercolor painting. I I love um, that. Man, holy cow. I, I'm like writing a list. I love that you do improv. I about to say you won his heart oh, in improv. You did. You did. Well, you so won my fun. heart with Star Wars <laughs> earlier. Oh. But, but I, I but love even that. Little things, even little things like, uh, you know, a year ago, I started doing a one minute plank every day. And, and to just say like, I, I can put a minute into my health. Yeah, I can do one minute a day. Okay, so that, that became two minutes. And, uh, you know, I just passed five and a half minute planks. And so to just say, what are those small steps in the right direction that I can do over and over? And that feel fun to me. Um, I, I look for those things. Uh, so really my energy goes into socialization, goes into hanging out with friends, goes into being a fun dad that, you know, gets glitter on his face all the time. Um, you know, it's, it's finding those kind of things to really decompress so that when I am working, I can just run full tilt. 
If you want to uh, read more about this, get Thursdays a new Friday. Uh, check the episode description for that. Um, and check out the podcast, The Practice of the Practice podcast uh, for a lot of... And go to check out the YouTube, Joe's YouTube channel. We'll put that in the episode description as well because you're going to not want to miss those hilarious Star Wars moments. That's for sure. <laughs> do, you, do you ever throw up any of your improv on the YouTube channel? I haven't yet. Uh, we just had a show on Monday, which was hilarious and so fun. Uh, but no, I haven't. I, I was thinking about how what that would look like recently. So uh, maybe we'll see. Good, good. Consider yourself challenged, sir. Yeah. I, oh, uh, yeah. And we'll have right. to tune in for that. But, you know, Joe, before we let you get out of here, you know, we really appreciate your time. But we usually ask all of our guests if they can offer up some neighborly advice. Now, I know you've given so much for our listeners right now, but do you have any very specific neighborly advice that you want to give out? Yeah, I would say if we go back to thinking about 2019 and think, is that the best that we can do? I would say we can do way better than that. Our our generation is going to have more pandemics, global warming, social issues, all sorts of challenges in the next 10 to 20 years. And if we are the most stressed out and maxed out, uh, we aren't going to be able to address those challenges as humanity. And I would argue that working less so that we can be the most productive and creative and finding those things that light us up on the weekends and that help us reduce stress, uh, that that's going to be the thing that helps us address these monumental challenges that our generation is going to have to handle. Well, thank you very much. That is great neighborly advice. It was rock solid. That was very rock solid. And, you know, we want to thank you for being part of our neighborhood and now joining and helping expand our neighborhood. So, I mean, it's just been fabulous, man, getting to see you again and talk with you. Man, I couldn't have asked for a better guest. And you have an open invitation anytime to come back on the show. Yeah, for sure. Joe. I would thank love you. to come hang out as neighbors again. Absolutely. Uh, make sure that you guys check out Joe's podcast, get his book, Philip. Anything yep. else that I'm leaving out here? Brian, I think you have it pretty well covered. To everyone out here listening, if you have any comments, please feel free to leave them up on our social media, our YouTube page, Facebook, Instagram. We're on all that jazz. Be sure to subscribe, like, and follow. Yeah. You and, can and, catch more information about Joe as well as all the great guests we have coming up this, uh, this season. I know. And, you know... It, let me know what day you think should be the new Friday if you don't think <laughs> Thursday's the new Friday. I'd love to love to get some feedback on that, you know? I'm yeah. going with tomorrow. You're going tomorrow. It's always with tomorrow, right? It's always that's the next the new Friday. But make sure you catch new episodes every Friday right here with these neighbors and you never know who's going to stop by. Indeed. All right, thank you, Joe. Peace. Thanks so much. Out. <laughs>